Again, it'll be great. That's because the screen went dark. You have to keep it lit.
Thank you. That was great. Well, let's be dismissed to Sunday school. Let's close with a prayer here. Our Father and our God, we are grateful for what we have here today. We're grateful for the families and each individual person here today. And we just pray for blessing on each one of us, Father. And we thank you so much for who you are. And we welcome you, the Holy Spirit, here in and pray that, uh, that we would be worthy of you, Father. And we just thank you so much for your word and for who you are. And, and uh, just open our hearts and minds. In Christ's name we pray. Send you. He really wants to have snakes here this morning. You're down there in the lake area. They got a new life down there. Back in 1 Samuel 17, if you would turn there with me, it's the story of David and Goliath. Well known, but I'll bet there are some things you can learn. I know I can. I have. David and Goliath. Last week I said something I wanted, for your notes, I want to clear, clarify. And I said that uh, Goliath is type of the world and Saul is type of Satan. That's backwards. But it also, they're a type of both interchangeably within the story. So we see the Satan, uh, the roaring lion, Peter says, seeking whom he may devour. Satan. And so that's what Goliath was coming out twice a day to the challenge the Israeli army. He would come down into the valley between them. They were camped on both sides. Israel on one side and the Philistines on the other. And for 40 days and 40 nights, twice a day, Goliath would come down into the valley and if you have a man among you that can fight me, come. And if I win, if I win, you'll be our servants forever. But if I lose, we'll be your servants. That was a lie. That was a lie. And today we have the same thing in the world. If we have a giant of uh, things that are bigger than us. And what always interested me, even as a boy, about this story is, why didn't they just rush him? Why didn't they let him come into the valley one day and say, let's go, down, let's go, and run down there and see what the giant does? He'll either, he'll either retreat or they all slaughter him right in front of the, the, the champion. I don't know. This is the story of David and Goliath is why, I suppose. But that tactic works with us today. When we all decide we've had enough, things will stop. We need to rush the giant. The giant is more loud than he is tough. His bark is worse than his bite. And we see in this passage here that when you're on the Lord's side, and more importantly, when God is on your side, and you do it for the right purposes, with the right strength, with the right honor, Satan will be defeated. It's just the way it works. Promise of the Bible. And so we begin now, we looked at last week into about the 27th verse of, of this chapter, the 17th chapter. But if you'll let me remind you of a couple of things back in, in, the, in the last chapter, the 16th chapter, when when Samuel the prophet was sent to the house of Jesse, David, uh, the Lord said, go there and anoint a king of the sons of Jesse. You remember that story, and it's, it's, it's one worth repeating often and thinking about a lot. And so the prophet, God's own man, went there, and he saw the oldest son, a big fellow, probably a good-looking man, and he said, that must be him. And the Lord said, that's not him. The next son, the Lord said, that's not him. 
the third son came over and God said that. And so he went through all the boys that were there. And he said, uh, God has rejected these. Do you have any more? He said, oh, we have David. He's out in the field tending the sheep. And, and Saul said, go get him. We're not going to have anything happen until he comes back. I don't know how far away he was. I don't know what the journey took, but they brought David back. And the Lord said, this is him. This is the one. Now, wouldn't that... There's great compliments in the Bible the Lord gives. And one of them is of his cousin, John the Baptist, when Jesus said, no greater was born to a woman. No greater man was ever born to a woman than John the Baptist. And you see, that's such a great thing. But you find that when he was in prison, he, he questioned. He said, now go ask. Here he is in prison. I've lived my life for the Lord. I've been a warrior for Christ. I've been a warrior for the kingdom. And now I'm in prison, and they're talking about taking my head off. And he said to his disciples that were outside the jail when they come to visit, this Jesus would go see if that's him or should we look for another? And Jesus said, yeah, you go tell John. The deaf leap, the lame walk, the blind receive their sight, and unto the poor are preached the gospel. You go tell John that. And then he said something very poignant for you and me. Blessed are they who are not offended in me. You ever, live, you ever think you're living right and things still don't go well? You ever believe you're doing the work of the Lord and still things coming against you? It happened. It happened. The Lord's putting, putting fire in you, putting some steel in your backbone. What did I do wrong? It isn't about sometimes you did wrong. Sometimes it is, but it's not always about what we did wrong. Sometimes it's the way the world takes the goodness that we share. And don't get high-minded and think that everything you do is good, but it's just not so. But you remember this now. In the seventh verse of the 16th chapter, again, the Lord said, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him, for the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Now that's a, that's a pretty good grouping of words. Don't look at the outward appearance. It'll fool you. When I was uh, young, when I was young, I, I entered the ministry and I really... One of the main concerns I had was, how do I, how do I go every week to a crowd who are church people, who have been in the pew for a number of years? How do I go and tell them something that's interesting to them or bring them something new? How do you do that? How do you do that? The Holy Spirit will do that, but what I learned along the way is this. Very few, very few people who have been in the pew for a long time change very much. They come and go week by week and they hear the messages and they'll shake your hand and tell you it's good. Very little changes in their lives. I've learned my ministry is to the young, the newly saved, and the people who are on fire. That's who's receiving the message. People who want to know, not for knowledge's sake, but to change my life. Praise God. People who want to know because how do I please them? How do I stand before the Lord one day and hear well done? How do I live a life that changes not only mine but those around me? And those are few and far between, I'm telling you. People come in with a hungry heart, with a hungry heart saying, what's the message? What is the message? And I have no new message for you, but boy, I got a good old one. It's a life changer. It's an, it's an eternity changer. It changes your destiny and it changes the trip to get there. But you've got to not just sit here week after week and soak it up and go, that's right, boy, that's right. That is right right there. That's right. And that's not what most of you are doing. <laughs> that's wrong. <laughs> Listen now. Listen. To gain the knowledge of what these things, what the Lord was talking about, so that we might have a different outlook. We, we gain God's perspective. To gain God's perspective to walk through this world changes the whole game. 
Everything gets easier. Everything. You worry about money? God's not. You worry about where you live? He's not. You, he's worried about how you live. And he's not really worried, but he's, uh, he's got a purpose for you, and he's got a plan for you and me. And if, if hearing the Word and, and, and uh, knowing the Word and understanding more about the Word week by week and day by day, if that changes your life, that's what it's all about. But if it causes you just to settle into self and, and just be more of what you are now, that is not what this is about. Don't look at the outward appearance. Again, I was young. I got in the ministry, and I was called to people's houses, and I thought, oh, what am I going to do there? They've been Christians for 50 years, and I'm going to go as a two-year two preacher. Been preaching for two whole years, and I'm going to go and comfort them at this time of death or tragedy or illness. Is that right? Don't be, don't be fooled by appearances. And now I'm in the age where my friends, my circle, we're getting there where we've done most of what we're going to do. And I'm going to tell you what, be careful about that dream out there in front of you because you might gain it one day, but you won't have enough health to enjoy it. That's right. Circumstances change. Circumstances change. You can get all the things you ever wanted, but you would enjoy them at 35 a lot better than... I'm not saying that's not to shoot for I'm saying He's our goal. That's right. Praise God. What we do for Him while we're here. This is a message that people say to me is mean. It's not mean. It's not mean. If you are saved, if you're here saved, if you're born again, the only reason you were left here five minutes after your salvation was to further the kingdom. Praise God. There's no other reason for a Christian to be left here. Why would God have you born again, brought into his family, and have us go through this miserable existence? Often it can be. Just to fight this battle, it's to rescue the perishing. Praise God. It's to rescue the perishing. It's to say, look what I found. You want this, do you? And you're going to be told no a lot more than yes. I know about that. <coughs> Don't look at the outward appearance. I say that because this is true in the 17th chapter. In, in the 17th chapter, the story of the David and Goliath's battle, it says when Saul, in verse 11, when Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Verse 12 says, now David. That's all you have to know. But now David. Of that same chapter... It says in verse 24, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him and were sore afraid. And verse 25 says, and the men of Israel said, have you seen this man? Now what did God just teach his prophet? What did that prophet just tell David's family? Don't look on the outward appearance. How many times do we hear a message from the Lord and we see the scriptures, but we don't put two and two together? We don't, we don't add it up and say, well, I was just taught that. Don't look at the outward appearance. God said, look at the man. Look at the heart of the man. And David did. And by the way, the greatest compliments in the Bible, I think, are two. And one is when Jesus said of his cousin, no greater was born of woman than John the Baptist. And the other was when he said, David is a man after my own heart. Wouldn't you love to hear that from his lips? Wouldn't you love to hear Jesus say, welcome home. You're a man after my heart. Boy, that'd be good. Praise God. That's going to be few if, if anybody else hears it. And uh, with David... How does that go, by the way? David, David held in his hand some days. He held a harp and he wrote psalms to the Lord. He sang to the Lord. Some days he held a sword. Some days he held a pen. And some days he held a sling. But David wrote with a heart for God that's not, that's not even rivaled in the Word of God. His passion for God is not even rivaled in the Word of God. 
but you try to hurt his kingdom. You try to mess with his sheep, he'll kill you. He'll kill you dead. And God said, that's my heart right there. But it's what it is. That's what it is. David said, I'll protect those under me. Because, Lord, I love you above me. This is the chain. This is the chain of command. I've had pastors come to me, me, little me with his 12 people looking at me every Sunday. There's a wolf come in my, my church. And I said, well, kill him. <laughs> what? Show him the door. If he doesn't leave, help him out. If he won't leave, drag him out. You know, get rid of the problem. Oh, I don't know now. I'm a pastor. I can't be ugly. I said, you're ugly now. Get, get after him or her and get him out. You believe me? That's right. What the Lord said? Have one poison drop come in this, this vessel here. And what does it do? you got to get them out. That's the job. That's the job. I'll tell you what about the ministry. I'll tell you the truth. Preaching is fun. Ministry is terrible. Preaching fun is fun. Ministry is rough. To go into broken homes. To drive out the wolves that are trying to scatter the flock. To have those, to have those heart-to-hearts with people who are bringing in false doctrine. I don't have the Bible exactly straight. I do not. But when someone comes in and preaches clearly against the things of Scripture, they've got to go. When someone brings in a, a false doctrine, they've got to go. What God gave me was a background of growing up in my house, our house. Confrontation is no problem. Some people really hate confrontation. It doesn't bother me much. The only confrontation for the right reasons doesn't bother me much. Just to be ugly with one another bothers me a lot. It bothers me a lot. When you say to me or each other, we say, I don't like that person, blah, blah, blah. Well, you got your own issues. I have issues. We all are here together to, to enjoy the family that we're in here. I get that. But when cause pain and destruction and, and hurt comes in, it's got to be stopped. Have you seen this man? God just taught the pastor. God just taught the prophet in the family of David, don't look on the stature. They were looking on the stature. His brothers, his oldest, and we, this is always a problem. Verse 28, And Eliab, his eldest brother, when he heard, he spake unto the men. Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why comest thou down here? And with whom hast left those few, eh, few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. Big brother, you think big brother was a little jealous when David was anointed king and he was rejected? I think so. I don't know. But he sure wasn't giving David any credit. David said, what have I done? <laughs> he said, what have I done now? You know what that means? They've had those talks before. I remember being the youngest boy. I can because it's still true. He was gone. And it's been so nice. I remember being the youngest of five. And, and uh, people come to visit and go in the bedroom. That's my bedroom, but I couldn't go in there. Get out of here. Like, man. That's right. I know that's right. But the only little ones always want to know what the big ones are doing, wants to be part of the scene. But in this, in this occasion, it's very over, it's, it's huge. This is when the brothers are afraid and the young brother is not. This is when the fear strikes the three oldest brothers in 40 days. And, 40, and you think David got there at the last, at the last call of Goliath, just as a coincidence? His dad said, go take the boy some cheese and crackers and tell me how the battle's going. David had no report to give. There was no battle. Your sons are sitting on the sidelines scared. and You know the story, but we go through it, and we find some tremendous teachings for our lives. I'm telling you this morning, everything that the world throws at us that's bigger than us is a satanic Goliath for us. Everything that we wake up and it's bigger. This is a problem is bigger today than I am. But again, we talk about what I said last week. Get the aerial view. A mighty oak and a shrub look the same from 1,000 feet, 3,000 feet. You look at an airplane, 
Everybody looks the same. Get God's perspective. Get to looking down and not up. Get to looking down. I've had some things in my life, haven't you? I've had some things in my life that were bigger than me. And I'm going to tell you what, they put me in prayer school. You learn how to pray all of a sudden. You get real good at it. You get so good at it that you're, while, you're, while your lips are moving, your, your eyes are flowing. And you say, God, are you seeing this? <laughs> really? Is this how it is? And you get a little bit like John in prison. You say, Lord, are you there? Is it you? And, uh, yeah. I remember when I was young, young preacher and I read the story of how a little boy of the Indian tribes was made a warrior and they took him out at night. They took him out all at night and they put him in a place out in the out in the wilderness all by himself. And the wolves were out there and everything. And they say, you make it through the night and you'll be a, you'll be a man. That's a rite of manhood, passage of manhood. And that little boy, I think it was 12. I think 12 when they made him warriors. And he sat there all night just hearing the wolves and hearing things around him in the trees and the woods. And uh, when he woke up, when the sun came up in the morning, his dad was standing six feet. Six feet from him. He couldn't see him. Thought he was all alone that night. All night long. And he, he, looked, he wakes up and his dad's standing right there, six feet from him. Nothing will happen to you. Nothing will happen to you. I was in full control. That's how the Lord works. He let us go through some dark times. He let us go through some fires. It's to build us and strengthen us. When you lay there in bed and when you wonder where he is and what he's not doing, <laughs> he's doing something. He's doing it for us. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You believe that or you don't. But I'm telling you this, if you believe it, your life will be a lot easier. <clears throat> who are you and who am I never to have trouble? And so he says, David, now listen. He says, what have I now done in verse, 30, verse 29? And he turned from him toward another and spake the same manner. And the people answered him again the same way. They said, the man that kills the giant is going to have... Saul's daughter to a husband, to, to his wife, to be a wife. And also his family will not be on the tax rolls anymore. They'll take away the taxes of the family. I guess that happened. And verse 32 says, David said, and verse 33 says, Saul said, and verse 34 says, David said, <clears throat> and that's in his conversation. Verse 32, he said, don't let any man's heart fail because don't have a heart attack over this thing. It's not a big deal. He said, I'll go fight with the Philistine. Saul said, thou art not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said to Saul, thy servant hath kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock, and I went, and I went, and smote him and delivered it out of the mouth, out of his mouth. And when he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. That's a story to tell. Amen, brother. <laughs> and I changed my clothes and I went back to... That's a story to tell. What do, you, what do you and I do when the world, when Satan rears up against us? What are you going to do? Because you better know <laughs> we're there. Right now, it's being called out. The, team, the, the battle lines are drawn now. Probably in a way never before. And not that it's worse than it's ever been, but it's now known what it is. And the lines are drawn. What are you going to do? He says in verse 36, Thy servant slew both the bear, the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine, listen, shall be, not, I might get him, I, I might get this one, he said, shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. That's the answer to David's question. Is there not a cause? Is there a cause here to do this thing? That's the question we have to have before we battle anything. Is there, is there a cause? Am I making this up? 
Is there a cause? Is this worth doing? Is there a reason to go against the well, my perceived enemy? Is there? Is there a cause? He said, this man hath defied the armies of the living God. He didn't say at that point, he's against my homeland, against my king, against our honor, against us, like my family, our stability, our safety, and our peace. He didn't say that. He said he's defied the armies of the living God. This statement proves he's a man for God's heart. He didn't say he's not getting our stuff. Boy, he's not, they're not coming and taking our stuff. He said, who does he think he is? Talking about our God that way. My God. You remember Joseph when he was caught by Potiphar's wife? And the Bible always puts a little note in there. He was a good looking fella. I don't know what to say about you people. They were there. <laughs> but what it says about Joseph, he's a good looking man. Goodly to look upon. Sarah was goodly to look upon. Samson was goodly. David was a handsome young man. Absalom, the Bible makes one more mark and says he was beautiful. Whatever. He said from his hairline to his toenails, not a blemish. He had raven hair, locks of raven black hair that when he got his hair cut once a year, cut off seven pounds of hair. Now I'm going to tell you what. That's a pile of hair. Seven pounds of hair is a pile of hair. I came close this week with some boys. That's a lot of hair. Isn't it? That's a lot of hair. That boy was a good-looking young man. I bet you he thought his hair was beautiful. Because he remember he died by hanging by his hair. I bet the thing that he treasured the most is what got him. He got caught in an oak tree by his hair and Joab ran his spear through it. I will not die that way. No, oh, really. I know what you're thinking. I'm not going to die that way. Caught by my hair. Both of them hanging me from an oak tree. God said he was a beautiful he was so beautiful, he was so attractive that he stood at the gate and won the hearts of the people against his father. He almost took the kingdom from David by standing at the gate and talking about his father, how bad he was. That's just ugly. Beautiful boy. But he was not with a heart after God. And so the oldest brother scolded David. He said, there's a cause. He went to the king. The king said, you're not able to fight against this giant. You're just a youth, and he's been a warrior since his youth. And David said, I, I killed a lion and a bear. This guy's nothing. And Saul says, go. In verse 37, he said, moreover, David, David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me. He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with thee. Now, here's an interesting thing in the passage, and this is why I like to tell you words mean something and look them up. The word deliver here means saved. You know, save me. He saved me. And if you look at uh, Romans 10, 9 and 10, it talks about being saved. If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be delivered, is what that word says. We shall be saved. We shall be snatched away, delivered from the problem. We shall be taken out of the problem. We don't know it for a while, but the Lord said, it's already a done deal. You're good. Amen, just let, i got to live this life out. And he, said, he said, go for it. I'm not taking you out of the problems, but I want you to show people how to act in them. I want people to show you how, how to live in them with me as your source and your strength and your, and your trust. I'm not taking you out of problems. Praise God. You will lay in a hospital bed. Your kids are going to lay in hospital beds. Your spouses are going to drop. Money trouble will come. There will be kids come home and bring you a problem you can't solve. You can't fix it for them. It's too big. And it's not in your hands to fix, but you can love them. And you have to show them how, how it looks for someone to trust me fully. Praise God. No matter how dark, no matter how great, no matter the circumstance. 
Amen. You have to show them what it, what it looks like to trust me fully. And David said, I'll go. So that word delivered means to take out the problem, to snatch away from the from the end problem is what it means from the problem in the end. We're, we're left with this life as a puzzle. Let me, let me say something to you. If, if, uh, if Richard said last Sunday he got saved, and all of a sudden, Monday morning, he starts making all kinds of money and no troubles come on and people, everybody would join the church for that. If, if, if a person said they got saved, anybody, and from that day forward, from that moment forward, all they had was nothing but the best, you didn't have to work for it, it just came, first of all, they'd be suicidal in about two weeks, and second, everybody would join the church for that reason. There would be people coming in here in masses just to get the stuff. Amen, brother. If you don't believe it, it's what the Lord said. Why do you follow me? For the loaves and fishes? Get out of here. You followed me for the loaves and fishes. You saw me feed those people. You're hungry. Another mealtime has rolled around, and that's why you're here. He goes, I have something for you that will change your eternity, but you're wanting a belly full. Is that what you want? The beauty of it is this. If you come to him for the right reasons, you get the belly full too. He provides wonderfully. But he says, I want your heart, not your appetite. Not your, not your physical appetite. I don't want you to come because you think you're pretty and the church will have a better look to it if you're in there. Someone told me this week they think their church is a fashion show. <laughs> oh, he said, you have that problem? <laughs> Folks. I said, yeah. Yeah, that's what we got. I said, no, I've never had that problem. My ministry wouldn't preach to a fashion show person. They don't stay. If they're here to be prettier than everybody else, it wouldn't take long to show that, and then they can leave. We're looking for inner beauty. We're looking for Christ-likeness. And aren't you guys glad? Because the other's not going to be happy. So, David, a boy. And at this stage, he's still a boy. You know how we know he's a boy? Goliath said he was. He said, you're a, you're a youth. But he says this. I've been against wild beasts and God delivered me from that. This man's no problem. Verse 38 says, And Saul armed David with his armor. Now first of all, Saul was a head and shoulders above everybody else. His armor would not fit David. But this is a beautiful lesson. This is a beautiful lesson. He said, Where my armor out there, David? David, they put armor on David. <laughs> David and he said now go get him he said, I don't think so he said I can't move and it said he is saved to go which means he took it off he took the armor off and he said this no I'm going to go how I know to go I'm going to go the way the Lord taught me to go when I was in uh, lion school when I was in lion school he taught me how to do battle and when I was in bear school he taught me how to do battle and now this giant school is not going to be with your method. It's going to be the way the Lord taught me. And he had a sling with him and a pouch on his hip. And David took off the armor. Look what it says. He said, I'm not going to. And David, verse 39, he said, David put them off of him. He said, I can't do that. If Saul is a type of the world and Goliath is a type of Satan, and I believe that follows really well in this passage. We can't fight the world with their methods. We can't fight Satan with worldly methods. It's not we won't win. Matter of fact, it'll it'll bind us up. We won't be able to do battle. David said, I don't no. No. You won't go with that armor on, but you want me to? And I can't move in that bat in that armor. The world's methods bind up a Christian in the battle that we can't fight. We can't do it. I'll tell you something. A man with a gun or a grandma on her knees, I'll tell you who I'd pick. A Christian mother on her knees and a man at the door with a gun, I know who I'd pick to rescue me. 
People say, well, that's silly. You think so? Again, I remember John Hagee on television saying a man walked up. He was 10 feet from him. Six rounds he shot at him. John Hagee that big around. And he said there were six holes behind him. And while he was pointing that gun right at him, he looked at him and said, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. You'd have to be blindfolded and nauseous from spinning around to miss that. And it missed him. Oh yeah, you'll remember this. Some other Christians were shot dead. <laughs> That's not always the case. God, God has his way. I don't know what it is. God has his way. Over my life, I've had things happen. I don't know why they happened. I don't know why God did that, allowed that. Most of it I did myself. I know the answer to that one. I caused most of my own trouble. But some things happened to me along the way that I don't know why God allowed that. But one of these days, he's going to tell me. And I'll say, oh, well, yeah. Yep. Yep. You believe that? You believe some things happen along the way that we look at it and go, that's the worst thing that ever happened to me? And God said, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. He took his staff in verse 40, took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in a script. And his sling was in his hand. He drew near the Philistine. The Philistine came and drew near to David. And the man that bare the shield went before him. He, David was fighting two fellows. He had a guy holding his, holding his uh, shield up. But David took five stones. Look at, um, turn over to 2 Samuel and chapter 21 for a minute. To the right just a little bit. 2 Samuel chapter 21. It says, uh, well, verse 20, it says, And there was yet a battle in Gath, and there was a man of great stature that had on every, on every hand six fingers and every foot six toes. Four and twenty number. <laughs> at twenty-four fingers and toes. <laughs> okay. He ought to be able to be a musician or something. <laughs> That's not fair. But he's a giant. Four and twenty in number, he also was born to the giant of Gath. Who's that? And when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of uh, Shema, the brother of David, this is David's nephew, slew him. David's nephew slew another giant, Goliath's family. These four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. Why did David take five stones? I think that's the answer. Don't you think if you kill someone, his brother's going to try to get you? If someone takes your brother out and you're a giant, don't you think you're going to try to get him? Isn't this interesting, though? David gets a chapter with 58 verses on how he killed a giant. His nephew gets a half of a half a sentence, half a verse. To be the first one to do it is, is the thing, you know, to lead the group. I think I really believe David knew that from the talk that there's he got five he got four sons. He picked up five stones. I thought he thought I'm gonna go kill five giants today. I believe that. You might, might not. But he took five stones. I don't think David thought I might miss with four. There's places in the Old Testament where you read that said what David could do and his men could do with a sling. Now there's a lot of men I met in the country that brag what they could do. I had I moved out in the country and a man said I could shoot a, a fly off the back of a cow with a twenty-two, you know, <laughs> with a twenty-two half mile. He said, I put a scope on there, and I'll get that thing. And I, can, I can shoot a fly off the back of a cow in a half mile, not even scratch the cow, not move a hair. 
but that fly would be gone. Yeah, well, David, that, they said, David, listen now. <laughs> Shucks back. We, you go to the Old Testament and read, and it said David's men were trained to do what David did with their right hand or the left. That's amazing. That's God. That's God. We're done this morning because the time's out, but I want to say this to you. The question I've had most frequently from other people outside the church Oh, you're a preacher, blah, blah, blah. I saw you do that funeral, that wedding. They have about ten questions that the people ask, but what killed Goliath? The stone or the sword? How many think Goliath would have had a good life with that stone sunk in his head if David just went around him? The answer is yes, I think. I think David killed him with a stone. I think the Lord killed Goliath with a stone. He said it sank into his forehead and he went to the ground. But David jumped. Read your Bible now. David ran. First of all, he ran toward the giant in the battle. And then he ran and jumped on his back. He jumped on his back, reached down, pulled his giant sword out of the sheath and cut his head off. And he held him up by his hair and showed it and showed his his nation, the Philistines. You want some of this? God's got more for you. Come on down here. And they took off. Now he said, if you kill me, we'll be your servants. They forgot that part. And so you read the rest of this passage, and it says they fled. Israel ran down the valley, took them out, slaughtered a lot of them, came back and took all their stuff, spoiled their goods. Listen, folks. Anything bigger than you are in this world. Anything that's a Goliath in your life. We can't, we can't kill it with the world's method. I love to hear my clients, by the way. I love to hear through the years people got a problem, they go to a psychiatrist. <laughs> wow. Go to the Lord. Go to the Scriptures. Go to Christian brothers and sisters. Go to the scriptures. I had to go to a psychologist, psychiatrist during my court, during my divorce proceedings that was mandated by the court. Mandated by the court. And to things he told me, if it was a he, whatever it was I was looking at, we were together 42 hours. He said, 42 hours and nothing's changed here. That was his complaint at our last session. He said, Don, we met for 42 hours and nothing's changed. I said, I've tried to help you. But you are not getting hold of it. <laughs> and he said, I'm writing that down. I said, I wish you would and review it often. You don't get it. The world's methods don't do it. And can I tell you this? I stuck with the Lord the whole time. I used the Lord's methods the entire time. I was told by every judge and every lawyer I knew, you can't win. You can't win. You cannot win doing that. My kids were in foster care. I've never lived through such a thing. I could never sleep well unless I knew my kids were in the other room sleeping and doing well. My kids were in foster care. I couldn't know where they were. It was against the law for me to know where they were. They were out of my home. And boy, I wasn't resting well. And going to work was, I was a, my clients came in and said, you had some interesting haircuts in those days. And I said, I'll bet. But they kept coming back. One, one Thursday night, Friday morning, two something in the morning, I sat up in bed, straight up in bed. And the Lord said to me, as clear as your voice to mine, they're yours. Get some rest. You got them. I got a call from my attorney about 10 o'clock next morning. said, the judge ruled in your favor. You got full custody. Now, I just tell you that for this reason. I knew that judge, and about uh, a month later, I was up at the courthouse, and she was, she was dropping some things off in that basket for the, for the clerk there. 
And I said, can I ask you a question? She said, yeah. And I said, when you gave me full custody, she, she wouldn't even want to talk about it. That wasn't her plan. She didn't like it when she did it. And she was, yeah, I don't know why I did that. And I said, I do. And she goes, oh, yeah, I forgot. And I said, I want to ask you one more question. Did you decide about 2.15 Friday morning a week ago? She said, who told you that? I said, you haven't believed me so far. Do you believe that this morning? The Lord told me, the way he talks to me, the voice I know the Lord to have with me, he said, they're yours, get some rest, you're going to need it. And boy, did I. And I went back and passed out. I almost couldn't go to work that next morning. I was just in, a, in a, almost a, a coma. I, was, I just fell asleep that hard. Folks, we're going to read next week the battle is the Lord's. And I hope you believe that. I hope you believe that.